Today is Palm Sunday, and this is the day that we remember and uh, talk about uh, that moment when Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and I want you to find me a donkey, and we're, I'm going to enter Jerusalem. And he did, from the Mount of Olives, all the way through the Kidron Valley, into the, into the city of Jerusalem. He rides this donkey, and on the way, people are like, they're throwing down their coats and palm branches, and they're going, oh, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The King, our Savior, is here. What a great time, right? But in his mind, Jesus knew that this is going to be the week. We call it Passion Week. We call it Easter Week. We call it the week where Jesus did finally the things that he came to do. And one of those was to give up his life for us. And he knew that some of the exact same people that were, hallelujah, praise God, Jesus is here, are some of the same people that in just in a few days would say, crucify him, crucify him. And you know, what happened? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things happened during those days. But this is the day that Jesus victoriously entered Jerusalem, beginning what we call Passion Week, the week of Jesus Christ, the week of completion, whatever, many different names. So in our series, the sermon series, the last few weeks, we've been talking about preparing for Easter. By the way, we have an Easter sunrise service this year. Some of you have been asking for it, so we all right, here we go. Seven o'clock in the morning, we're going to be out back in the yard and, and the sun, we're going to be facing the sun and the sun's going to come up just a couple minutes after we start the service and it's just going to be this amazing sunrise. I know it's going to. I'm a weatherman. No. <laughs> By faith, we're declaring this, right? So those of you who are early birds, we'd love to see you there. Uh, and uh, then we'll have three more services uh, later on in here. We won't be outside for those, but we'll be inside or outside for that one. So in other words, we're, we're looking at this series, Preparing for Easter. We're looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that record the life of Jesus, the death and his resurrection, and the things that Jesus said while he's hanging on the cross. We're calling that cross words, words that Jesus spoke on the cross. Now, the thing is, and just when you first read them in the Bible, you're going, oh, okay, he said this. He said, I'm thirsty, so they gave him something to drink. He said, it is finished. That means he's about to die. Um, and then today, but the thing is, every one of these was very intentional. He didn't just say things because they came to his mind. They were very intentional. They were powerful, but they were also things that we can go, oh, is that what that means? Well, it means something for me. So today's the same thing. We'll find this in the Luke, uh, a book of Luke, chapter 23. Now, it's interesting because each one of the Gospels, the disciples that wrote, or the, the disciples that wrote the Gospels, they each had their own version of this experience. And so you say, well, so-and-so didn't say this. Well, so-and-so said this, but not this. So who's right? They're all right. They just are sharing it from their point of view and what they remember from the experience. So here's what he says, Luke 23. Jesus called out with a loud voice. And he said, Father, 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. That was it. And he died. Now the New Living Translation says it this way, and we're going to look at this in a little bit. It says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I entrust my spirit into your hands. So what does that mean? Okay, I put these in your notes, and we're going to look at each one of those words. First of all, the word father, he says father. Father means that he had this, it, it, it sort of um, demonstrates this intimate relationship that Jesus had with God, his father. Now, we know that God was, or that Jesus was 100% God. We also know he was 100% human. Sometimes we forget that part. He was human. He had pain. He, had, he suffered. He had feelings and emotions just like we as human beings do. And so Jesus Christ, the son, but the man, had a relationship, an intimate relationship with his father, God, to the point where he could trust him. He knew him good enough to be able to trust him with everything. So then he says this, I entrust. Father, I entrust, which means I believe in you. When you entrust something to someone, okay, you're entrust, I entrust this to you. What you're saying is, I, I know you well enough, I believe in you enough, and I trust you enough that I'm giving you this. I'm giving you permission i'm giving you authority of i'm giving this to you jesus said i entrust what did he entrust his spirit which means his whole self he says father i entrust my spirit not just my body not just part of me but his spirit was everything it's who he was and we know that from us too our soul and our spirit it's it's everything then he says into your hands father i entrust my spirit into your hands what does it mean into your hand it means that i'm giving god control i'm putting myself completely into god's control i'm letting go and this is for us too the ability to let go of what i've been hanging on to and let god putting it in god's hands and in everything i'm going through And so you're going to be challenged this morning, every one of us, that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're facing right now, you have a choice. You're either going to try to deal with it on your own and maybe ask for God's help, or you're going to give it to God and say, God, you take care of it. You entrust it to him. You put it in his hands, and then you take your hands off of it. And that's what Jesus did as he hung on the cross. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And one of the most significant characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ, of someone who is experiencing the abundant and the blessed life of Jesus, is it it determines their level of trust. In other words, the more you trust God with your stuff and with your life, the more you're going to experience the good things of God. If you're struggling and you're saying, but God, you never do this, or God, I'm always struggling with this, it just might be that you haven't yet 
given everything to God, you've given parts, but not all of it. It's once you entrust it all, then he is able to do all the different things that he promises. You know, today, when we talk about trust, I was thinking about this recently, we have, we are inundated with voices that are telling us to trust them, right? Politicians, trust me. (laughs) How's that working out? (laughs) And then we have the experts, right? I'm the expert on this. Trust me. This is what will happen. This is true. And that's not working out so well either. And then you have the media. Trust us. We're giving you the truth. But then you have just people around you. Trust me. Trust me. I know better. (laughs) But then you know what what one of the most challenging ones is? Is when you look into a mirror and you go, you know what? I don't know that I can trust. I can't even trust myself. You ever feel that way? (laughs) You're not even sure if you can handle your own stuff. Yet all these other voices around you. Yet trust is such a big deal in our world today. Here's what it says in Psalm uh, 33 verse 4. For the word of the Lord holds true and everything he does is worthy of our trust everything i mean if there's ever anything or anyone that you can trust it's god himself you know i just i I think back to the days when you know we have Lori and i we have three girls and you know when they're growing up and and now we have grandchildren and they're growing up as well you know you, you maybe you go shopping somewhere you go pull into a parking lot and uh you're going to you're on your way to the store and you got your kids with you and you say what do you say hold my hand right hold my hand and and we'll get through this parking lot together there's cars everywhere and you're never sure if one's going to pull out but but you you hold their hand why why do why would they hold your hand because they trust you and then sometimes, you know, if you, if you have an adult on either side, you pick them up and you twirl them around, you know, you lift them up. Whee! Do it again, do it again. No, okay. I, never ending kind of thing, right? Or maybe you're in your living room and you're having fun. You grab them by the hand and you start spinning in circles, right? I've got to the point where two times around and I'm done. You know, it's like, sorry, get your grandma, whatever. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's so... What happens is they trust you. And what happens with God is your level level of you knowing God and believing in God determines your level of trust in him. So remember that as we go through this here today. There's there's many different things that, that we experience about this. And so it says in... It says in uh, 1 Peter 2, it says, The scripture says, I will put a stone in the ground in Jerusalem, and everything will be built on this important and precious rock. Who's this rock? It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's speaking about Jesus because then it says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. You know, one, one of the things somebody, people say, some, we think it, I think it, is <laughs> like, well, what if I trust God with something? And, and it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out the way I was hoping it would. Or 
if I trust God with something and, and God disappoints me? Well, here's what I discovered. There's only there's three reasons that I feel disappointed. Number one is when I have unrealistic expectations of God. Well, God, I trusted you with this, and you didn't do it my way. You did it your way. Why would God do it his way? He knows better, right? <laughs> but the other thing is, if you completely trust God, there's only two regrets you're going to have. One, why didn't I do it sooner? And why didn't I do it completely before? Why did I just dabble with this trust thing with God? Because we tend to just do little bits and pieces at a time, right? Well, God, I, you know, I want to, I, there's this certain area of my life. I, I've done, I've accomplished this, I've done this, and I'm going to hang on to that, but, but God, you can have the rest of it. But here, here's the deal. Until it's complete, full, everything, trust in God, it's not really trust at all. Everything that God promises you when you trust him only applies if you entrust your life to him completely. So what is it about God that I can trust? I got three things, very important things about God that, that you can say, okay, because of this, I have no problem trusting him. Number one is this. I can trust the person of God. All right, write this in your notes. I can trust the person of God, who he is, his character. God never changes. The same God who created the universe thousands of years ago, spoke it into existence, put you here on the planet, is the very same God that says, trust me. Same God, same everything about him. Because the thing is this, our character is everything. It's who you are, right? It's what really, it's who you really are deep down inside. I mean, all of us, we have moments of brilliance. We have moments of, wow, look at you go. We have moments of kindness and love and all the really good things. But one of the things, I think we've, we've seen this, and especially the last few years, when the pressure's on, you know, we get squeezed a little bit. The hiding behind stuff disappears, and the real you shows up. I mean, I, I've, I've been, as a pastor, I've been surprised, both, both in a positive way and a negative way. Last couple of years, when, when we're going through all the, the stuff we've been going through, just how some people have responded and acted, I'm going, hmm, I didn't know that about you. Or, wow, that's great. What a pleasant surprise. But the thing is, I do that here too, right? There's some things I get squeezed a little bit sometimes, and I get, I get the pressures on, and I go, ooh, where'd that come from? Well, chances are, if it showed up, it's been there the whole time. God is always on. God's character is always the same. Here's what it says in Numbers 23. Verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not a human that he should change his mind. Has God ever spoken and failed to act? The answer would be no. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. 
because God doesn't lie and God always follows through on things. You know, we, we know from Scripture and from experience that God loves us. This morning, God loves you deeply. For God so loved the world. God loves all of us. Matter of fact, you read Romans 8, 28, nothing can separate us from God's love. Ephesians 3, 20, may you have the power to understand how wide, how deep, how long, and how powerful is the love of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. So why, why does God love us? One simple reason, because he is love. It's who he is. It's his character. God cannot not love you. Remember that. <laughs> the next time you feel unloving and unlovely, and you're wondering, well, I'm sure God's not liking what's going on here. I'm sure he doesn't like me anymore because of what I just did. Nothing can separate God from loving you. That's his character. God has no flaws. He has no lapses. He has no bad days. God never says, oops, I didn't see that one coming. He knows everything. He's got everything in his hands. And the, th the best part is, God and his, his character does not depend on you. Okay? If it's, you, can't, you can't say, well, I've done everything the best of my ability, so therefore God must really love me. You know what? God is who he is in spite of who you are. Look what it says in uh, 2 Timothy 2. It says, he, talking about God, is faithful even when we are not. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So when you are not faithful, and you feel like you've messed up, and you feel like you don't deserve God, and everything good about God in your life, he goes, don't, don't worry. It's not, I, I don't, my character, and my faithfulness, and my love for you isn't, it isn't connected to your performance. I am God. That's who I am. That's what I do. He is God and there is no other. We've heard the phrase, and I used to not like this phrase. I just thought it was a cop-out, but then I realized that there are some situations in life where that's all you got. You ever, you ever hear, well, it is what it is, <laughs> right? You're going... Well, that's a cop-out, but then I realize I've been in some situation. Go, no, that's about right. It just is what it is. Well, God would say, I am who I am. I just am, and that's God. Number two, the second thing we can trust about God are his promises, are the promises of God. Now, scholars sometimes debate this a little bit, but there are, how many there are, but there are thousands of promises in the Bible that God makes where he says very clearly if you do this if you if if you you know if you do this if you obey me all these different things then I will do this and they're all true every one of God's promises are true and he will fulfill them and he will do them in our lives 
And he says this in 1 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now here's one, one, one of the ways that we understand that Jesus could actually say when he's hanging on the cross. Now remember, this is about 3 o'clock on the after, Friday afternoon. He was put on the cross about 9 o'clock Friday morning. But before that, I mean, he was whipped, he was spit on, he was slapped, he was slugged, he was made fun of. They took this, this thorn, this vine of thorns, and, and contorted it into a crown, and they shoved it on his head. From what we understand from, from history and from scholars, it was just deep, thick, hard thorns that just crushed into his skin and blood dripping everywhere. And his back was whipped raw. And they took him and they laid him on this cross full of splinters. And, and they laid him there. They nailed, literally nailed, not just tied, nailed his arms, his hands to the cross, his feet to the cross. And then they lifted up this cross boom, into the ground. And he hung there. And at the end of all that, and all the pain, and everything that Jesus went through, he still, at the very end, said, Father, I'm entrusting my life into your hands. Why could he do that? As a human, he could do that because he knew that God promised in just a couple days He'd be back. Even on the cross, Jesus knew the promises of God the Father. He believed them enough that he was willing to die. Jesus wouldn't have had to let himself die, but he did. Because he knew that the closeness and the love and the promises of the Father, and he could trust him. That's why, no matter what you're going through in your life, Maybe this morning you're here and it feels like Friday afternoon. Maybe not quite to the point of Jesus' feelings of pain and suffering. But you're, you're, you're feeling pretty messed up in life. You're disillusioned. You're frustrated. There's something you can't figure out. There's been, a very, there's been something very difficult happen in your life. You're, there's some, you're about to face something. Whatever it is. And you can identify with the darkness and the discouragement and the depression that could that, that Jesus was feeling for you on the cross at that very moment. But because of what Jesus did and what he said, just know this. It may feel like Friday afternoon, but just know this. Sunday morning's coming. For you. Not just for Jesus, but for you. That's why you this morning can trust Him with your life. He promises to come through in everything. The third thing, I can trust the power of God. 
the power of God. God's power is om- he's omnipotent. That's a fancy word for he's all-powerful. He's got all power, not just some, most, or could be. He, he's got all the power, and he's all-powerful. Here's what Jeremiah 32, 17 says. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. Wow. Nothing is too hard, too difficult for God because of his power. Now, here's the really, I think, one of the most awesome things to understand is that when you think about Jesus dying on the cross and then Sunday morning he comes back alive and even while Jesus was here he raised people from the dead healed people and the amazing power that all of that demonstrated and you go wow that was a powerful demonstration of God well, here, here's the thing. That same power from the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. <laughs> it's in you. It's at work in you. It's, God is working through you. It's not just something out there you aspire to having. God's not just holding it back and saying, well, when you get to a certain point, I'll give it all to you. <laughs> Every bit of it is at work in your life right now. Just think about that. It's the all of the power of God is in and working in your life right now. And so you never have to doubt and you never have to wonder if God can handle what you're going through. Because when you entrust your life to God, you're entrusting it to someone who can do whatever needs to be done. When you place your hand into God's hands, I mean, just picture this for a moment. You've seen this famous painting, right? This hand coming out of the sky and another hand reaching up. That's metaphorically sort of how it is. God's hands are always reaching down to us. We know he's he's everywhere, but his hands are more of a symbol of trust. And, And when you finally... We're not talking just one hand. We're talking both hands. His hands are reaching down to you right now. And when you finally reach your hands up to him and you put your hands into his hands, you are trusting everything in your life into his hands. Just like your kids when you swing them around. When you walk with them through a parking lot. When their hands are in your hands, they're saying, good. I'm secure. I can rest. There is peace. You're going to take care of me. Psalm 84 says this, Lord all-powerful, happy are the people who trust you. Did I already read that? Okay, good. I'm sort of skipping around a lot here. So, In my notes, hopefully it makes sense there. So what... What does it mean? What, what is it about God's hands that I can trust him about? Well, I put a couple things in your notes. Let's go through this real quick. I can put my hands into God's hands because God's hands are, first of all, big enough to bless me. God's hands are big enough to bless me. And here's the thing. God has, there's three things. God has the desire to bless you. He wants to. 
God has the ability to bless you, and he has the resources. Now, one of the, one of the ways that God the Father is different than we as fathers sometimes is we, we, we want good things for our children, right? We want to bless our children. We want some good things for them, especially if they go, go Dad, I, I, I need this or I need that. We go, yeah, I'd love for you to have it, but <laughs> I can't afford it. I don't, have the re- I, I don't know how to do that. God the Father is totally different. Everything you need and all the good things, he wants to, he can, and he has the resources to be able to do all of that for you. Uh, James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift. You know, I've been amazed over the years at how some people have a really difficult time with this concept that God wants to bless you, that God wants to bless them, that God wants to give us good things. Did you realize that the same Father that Jesus entrusted his life to while he was on the cross is the same Father that you can entrust your life. Did you know it's the same one? Same guy, same Father, same God. And, and, and we are the same things that God gives Jesus. Matter of fact, God says, my son... Jesus Christ, I, he, I, I have lifted him to the highest place possible. He is seated at my right. Right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, preparing a place for us. But he's here too. I don't get it, but he's here. He's in your life if you've accepted him. So all of the great things that the, Father, the heavenly Father had for and did in Jesus' life, he wants to do for you. And in your, we are here, here's here's what, uh, one of the verses, I, I don't have the reference, but it's, we are what we call joint heirs with Christ. You know what that means? Everything that Jesus inherited from God the Father, so do we. Nothing left out. That's how much God loves everyone, and that's how much you can trust God, because the same things that Jesus Christ experienced and all the good things from God the Father are the exact same things God has for us. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help. He has good things. He has a hope and a future and and grace and so many things in store for you. Now, here's the other thing, sort of the flip side of it, is that because God wants you to be so much like Jesus on this earth, He's going he's gonna to allow you to go through some of the things, same things that Jesus went through to get to where Jesus was. Okay, does that make sense? Now, was Jesus ever frustrated? Was Jesus ever mocked? Was Jesus ever persecuted and misunderstood? Right? All the above, right? You're not immune from that. Why? Because God wants you to become like his son, Jesus Christ. He has all those good things for us. 
The second thing that Jesus' God's hands are, they're, they're scarred to never forget me. His hands are scarred to never forget me. Isaiah 49 says this. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child that she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name in the palms of my hand. It's interesting because when Jesus resurrected from the dead, okay, he came back to life. He had a physical body. We know that, but he also had a spiritual body. But one of the things about his body, even though all of the scars were healed from his back, he still had several things left. He still had scars in his hands and in his side from the nails and the spear. And every time that Jesus looks at those scars, he thinks about yours. The difficult things you're going through right now, the hard, the hard things in life, his scars remind him of you. So just know this, everything you're going through in life right now, Jesus knows exactly how you feel, everything, because of everything that he went through. And then the third thing is, God's hands are strong enough to keep me secure. To keep me secure. John 10 says this, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. In other words, nothing can separate you from God. Nobody, nothing, nothing you go through in life can separate you, can come between you and God. Except who? Your decisions. You can, never, you can never be separated from his love because he's always going to love you no matter what. However, sometimes we're like, and I think probably maybe some of you are there right now. I just, you know, I just don't feel God right now. I just, I don't feel as close to God as I used to be. And there was this time when him and I, we felt really tight and close and I felt like he was walking with me. And when I'd pray, I felt like he was right here listening to me. And, and, but I, I don't feel that right now. I just, I don't know what's going on. Let me give you a moment of truth. <laughs> if you feel far away from God, just know this he didn't move he's still there he is just as close to you as he was when you felt him close to you he is still listening to your prayers as intently as when you felt like he was listening to your prayers are you following me in spite of how you feel nothing can separate you from god that's why sometimes truth trumps feelings. Because truth is truth. It's always there. 2 Corinthians 1, here's Paul sort of wrapping up this whole theme. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the hard time that we went through. 
Then he goes through and explains all the different things, a lot of the things he went through. He got stoned, he got whipped, he was arrested, was shipwrecked, all these things. He says, we were really crushed and overwhelmed, and we feared we would never live through it. We felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. (laughs) You think, Paul, really, that was good? He says, yeah. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. You know, sometimes we wait until things are really bad, (laughs) until we really trust God and reach out to him, don't we? When life's going pretty good, we're like, huh, it's all right. I think I got it under control. I think I got this, right? But as soon as something comes up, we go, oh, okay, God, I, I, I think it's time for me to, 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 to lean on you, to trust you. Can I give you a bit of pastorly advice? It'd be a good idea to trust God now so that when those times come, he's already there. He's already got your hand. He's already working on your behalf, and you just have to hang on because you know he is with you. Like I said before, partial trust in God is actually no trust at all. It's not until you completely trust God with everything. I mean, everything in your life, not just bits and pieces, but with everything that you begin experiencing, all the great things, the blessings, the abundant, the eternal and powerful life that God has for you. You put it all in his hands, every part of it. So can you say this morning, with all confidence, with all courage, and with all convictions. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus did it at the moment of his death, at the most critical moment of his life. You don't have to wait till then. (laughs) You can do it right now. Jesus, into your, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit.